0: Hello, and welcome to Extra Grim, The show within a show, where we delve a little deeper into the world of the Brothers Grimm. This episode, we will be revealing the winner of our competition, and read out some of your wonderful messages. Now, we had so many lovely messages come through, that we couldn't cover them all in this episode. So if you don't hear your message in the next half hour, fear not! We shall be continuing to read them out over subsequent episodes of Grim Reading. But back to this episode. We're also going to be reading one of the Grimm's deleted stories and explore why some of these stories were erased by the brothers. And to finish this delicious treat of an episode, we'll be giving our review of the Brothers Grimm movie. So, pop another look on the fire. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hello! Hello! Hello. Hi! Hello! Hello, welcome to Extra Grimm. Let's uh, let's bring the competition to a close, shall we, Adam? Mm-hmm. As you heard in the last episode, the competition is indeed closed. We've had loads of entries. Uh, surprisingly, we've had too many to read out, which yeah, I was not on, expecting guys. when it started. <laughs> so we'd like to we'd like to share a few messages we've got. We've selected a couple that we're going to read out. We have, but but we just want to say before we start that everyone we got was was lovely um, everyone we got was like a tiny little morsel of joy a tiny morsel fueling our hearts fueling our hearts yeah I don't know where I was going with that metaphor. no I didn't me either so thank you so much to everyone who's got involved in the competition and we're gonna reveal the winner in this episode but first we're gonna read out a few of the lovely messages we've received So without further ado we've got this wonderful email from Victoria Young. Once upon a time, a beautiful maiden, living in a fair kingdom, fell into misfortune. No, her father didn't want her to marry a cannibal or spin straw into gold. No, she was given an assignment, which had to do with, dare I say it, analysing literature. That's way worse than marrying a cannibal. (laughs) Way worse. (laughs) However, the maiden soon found that the literature contained allusions to some rather famous stories. Hmm. Did a quick Google search, including terms like paper dress and strawberries... And realised what tale the literature was referring to. It's The Three Little Men in the Woods by the Brothers Grimm. Of course it is. Not having time to open her special edition gold leaf tome of Grimm stories and legends, she searched for and located another format of reading the story. (laughs) And such goes the tale of how I, Victoria, Mm. discovered your positively delightful and sometimes positively gruesome podcast. And oh, how I adore it. That's lovely. Though I only discovered grim reading. She asked you to do it, didn't she? (laughs) On Monday, every spare moment since then has been filled with tales of love and deceit, marriage and bloodshed, happiness and cannibalism. My favourite so far is honestly probably where it all began. The Three Little Men in the Woods. Excellent choice, one of my favourites. Yeah, definitely. It's such a ridiculous story, (laughs) yet so classic. (laughs) Thanks for creating a podcast that is so magical yet hilarious at the same time.
1: That's, What's a lovely message. What
0: an absolutely lovely message. And we are very happy to help you with your homework. And uh, excellent choice. So the next message is from Charles Hargrove, who says, It has to be the pink. Mm. I enjoyed the Brothers Grimm for their barely concealed strain of absolute insanity <laughs> And Fire Breathing Poodle was the first bit in the story so far that made me laugh out loud in sheer stupefaction. <laughs> this is my 10-year-old daughter's favourite podcast. Aww. She is a big Grim fan. Aww. That's lovely. That's she was al- already familiar with all the stories until we got to the pink. We are always looking forward to more. And I would once again like to recommend The Strange Feast <laughs> for sheer mind-blowing madness. Now, Charles had mentioned that to us in an earlier email, hadn't he? Okay, well, we, Interesting. We'll, get, we'll get back to you on that, Charles, yes. shortly. You'll be hearing from us. <laughs> uh, yeah, Matt and I were both very touched by that uh, message, Charles. So glad that your daughter is enjoying the podcast. Big shout out to her. And she obviously knows her stuff. She knows all the stories so I far, know. until the pink. Almost certainly she knows a lot more than we do. <laughs> <laughs> Without a doubt. Now, we've got this message come through from Owen, and I'm going to start reading it in an accent and probably <laughs> drop it very quickly. I can't wait for this eye for Australia. Oh, dear. <laughs> and, I, and that's going to be the extent of that. So I'm going to slip back into my English accent. So sorry. Owen led you down that path, I think. It's <laughs> Owen's did. fault. I mean, you can't give us that opening and, and not expect me to put on a terrible, terrible accent. My favourite episode of Grim Reading is the knapsack, the hat and the horn. That That's unexpected. <laughs> it is unexpected. That was not one I thought anyone would vote for. <laughs> well, let's hear why Owen likes it so much. So I'm just having... I'm from from Love Hearts. Love Hearts. I'm having a Love Heart too. This one says, hold me. Uh, It's sort of been Valentine's Day fairly recently. And um, in the UK, we have these little sweets called Love Hearts. They're little pure sugary (laughs) treats. And each one has a little message on it, a little Valentine's message. And I'll tell you what, I'll let you know. I'll eat one per message. Other sherbet treats are available. (laughs) So why does Owen like the knapsack? I like this episode the most because of its morals. Hmm. I think the underlying message in the story is that blind ambition, or greed perhaps, is dangerous. And also that power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. The main character starts out seeming like a good person. After he finds his magic tablecloth, he continues to be good, offering dinner to the poor man he meets. However, once he sees that the man has things he wants, he starts doing really devious things to get more and more. By the end of the story, he has become the king... But also has destroyed his kingdom. That's beautifully so, that's 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 put. Brilliant. Yeah. I was really surprised mm-hmm. by these votes for the knapsack, the hat, and the horn. Yeah. People really found a lot in it to sink their teeth into. It's quite a rich story. Yeah. And it ends up. with like the apocalypse. So it's pretty, it's pretty <laughs> epic in scale. It starts with a fancy picnic table and ends with uh, <laughs> the apocalypse. Uh, bad boy. <laughs> that's what my love heart says. right <laughs> now. Gonna... So we've got this message from Kitty Kong. My favourite was from the extra episode from the listener poll, oh. even though it was a Norwegian tale, The Fleeing Pancake. The Fleeing I'm, Pancake. I'm really glad you picked that, because that's actually one of my favourites. I think Same. both of ours. Definitely. It's such a great story. The way you both read and reacted had me in stitches. <laughs> I was laughing so hard. Good day, Pancake. <laughs> that was so... Like, honestly, we... Excellent. I, I, I love had I hadn't even read it. Like Adam just picked a random story. Yeah. So we hadn't even prepared for that. And it was... Just one of the best ah, without any peach. preparation. I love that story. That was great. And, so um, excellent choice there by Kitty. Kitty uh, has also said she sent us a message uh, a long time ago, right at the beginning. Um, she, she's a big fan of Brothers Grimm. And she said her favorite story from the Brothers Grimm is Clever Gretel or Gretel. So she's desperate to hear that. She also said she loves the fisherman and his wife and the goose girl. But basically, I've always wanted to tell you and I always forget. So thank you, Kitty. I've told awesome. Adam now. So it's it's down to him. Right, (laughs) pressure's on to me to pick what you've suggested. Yes, I mean those are some good suggestions. So, uh, first love. First love. That's what my other love heart says. (laughs) So Rihanna says, "I've had so many laughs and received so many strange looks when enjoying the tales and the brilliant running commentary on the grim stories." I'd have to say that my favourite story so far has to be Godfather Death. Yes, Rihanna. For no other reason, I love the justification and ballsiness to deny both God and the devil as Godfather and choose death for his fairness. Godfather death is perhaps the only one we've actually disagreed on, I think. Thanks for backing me up there, Rihanna. I agree with everything you said. (laughs) So you're on Matt's side with that one. I mean, looking back, that is it is a good story. Oh, hello, okay. Maybe not as good as Matt says, but... Epic. Epic. That's my next love heart. (laughs) Caitlin says, first of all... I'd like to extend a very warm congratulations on this incredible collaboration. Prior to this episode, I had not heard of Poop Press and I am now quite obsessed. Poop Press obviously being the wonderful sponsors, if you like, of this competition. In terms of my favorite episode, I'd have to say it would be none other than old Crookshanks himself, Rumpelstiltskin. This is actually my favorite fairy tale in general. It was the first one I'd learned about as a fairy tale rather than a Disney movie. I also love the character of Rumpelstiltskin who embodies that which is neither inherently good or bad. That was the first f- famous one we did, apart yeah. from maybe the Bremontam musicians. Oh, but it's, and, it's uh, bigger than that. It's true, it's it, a it, big boy. It's one of the only ones that hasn't had a sort of Disney treatment um, out true. of the famous ones. It's only a matter of time, though, isn't it? Sugar Lips. Oh, Sugar Lips That's again. Mm. <laughs> so Dawn says, Hi, Matt and Andy. <laughs> oh, hello, Dawn. <laughs> How's it going? How's it going? <laughs> oh, that's nice of you doing. Uh Hello back to you. Right, right back to you there. Here is my entry to win the wonderful Poop Press edition of The Grimm's Tales. Uh, in third place, the Christmas special. Oh, okay. ah, the port brought some extra dimensions that episode. And the Bjornsson Ab- and Moe tale of the trolls is a childhood favourite of mine. So you already knew that story, which is great. Brilliant, yeah. I've since been reading a collection of uh, Bjornsson and Moe tales, so I'm now familiar with them. So in second place... The Three Snake Leaves. Oh, Interesting choice. In there. Now, that's one that surprises me. In joint first place. I mean, you're taking some liberties here. Don't <laughs> want, <laughs> you, you're, <laughs> pretending you're giving us three. This is really four, isn't it? Really. <laughs> when it should be one. <laughs> <laughs> in joint first place, as I just love murder mysteries, yeah. are The Rubber Bridegroom and The Singing Bones. I'd never seen them in the context of a murder mystery before. <laughs> Instead, as tales that teach social mores. But of course, that's what all murder mysteries do. Highlight our social mores and allow us to be removed from the reality of them within a fictional narrative. Anyway, toodlepip, I'm looking forward to listening to more Green Reading this year. Best wishes, Dawn. Uh, Yes. Yes, is what Matt says to that with his love heart. That's what my love heart says, Dawn. (laughs) Uh, To be fair to Dawn, there is a PS. Where the heck did I get Andy from? (laughs) I, I meant Adam, obviously. I have to blame that one on autocorrect if, of course, you believe in fairy tales, that is. Oh, a little twist there at the end. Do I believe? Do I believe? You do. I a grim reading podcast, you do. So I believe. Ultimately. You're off the hook, Dawn. That was a lovely message. Thank you so much. So the last message we're going to read out from Sue Hancock's says, Hi, Matt and Adam. Listening to The Wolf and the Seven Little Kids transported me back to the 80s when I bought a collection of storybooks to read to my children. These were part of the Read Me a Story series sold at Sainsbury Supermarket. That's the supermarket we have in the UK. Money was extremely tight and I could only afford to buy one book a fortnight, so they were very precious to me. Mm. I read them to each of my three children at bedtime over the years from about age five. Hopefully I've not damaged my little darlings too much. I'm sure as you my daughter has asked I passed them on to her to read to her son. That's mm. lovely. Aww. And my eldest son went on to be a teacher. Oh. And host of Totalis Rankium. <laughs> <laughs> I've listened to fifteen episodes so far in three days. Uh, that's, I um, mean, wow. I hope you're okay. <laughs> Keep up the good work, guys. I absolutely love the podcast. Regards, Sue Hancock. Oh, that's fantastic. That is amazing. Thank you, Sue. So that is the the dear mother of uh, Rob of from Totalis Rankium. Fame. Yeah. Another podcast from the Rexy Pod Fam. Absolutely. Ali. Totalis played a, an advert for Grim Reading Podcast on their latest Roman Emperors episode. They did. We mentioned them in the Christmas episode as well. We gave them a shout out. Uh, and, uh, and clearly awesome. our advert worked because the hosts of Totalis Rankium's mum <laughs> found us and is binging Grim Reading. So, so we're very happy to have her on board. Welcome aboard. Yes. Thank you, Sue. Say yes. <laughs> Say yes. Is that, that, that's that's I'm not opinion. sure about that, love heart. <laughs> that's a strange one. Unfortunately, my final love heart is a sad, crying face. Oh. I didn't even know they had little sort of emoji love hearts Is that because we have come days? to the end of the messages? Yeah. Oh, that's sad. No so, that leads us naturally on to picking the winner of the competition. Now, yes. the standard of entries was so high, so consistently high, as you heard just there, that Matt and I were having real trouble picking the best. I mean... We couldn't do it. <laughs> it was impossible. It was basically impossible. Uh, we've given ourselves an impossible task. So, what we've decided to do is to put everyone's names in a hat, yep. or in this case, a bowl, uh, which I've got right here, and uh, give that a little shuffle, and we'll pick up the winner at random. So, I mean, yeah, I'm feeling very tense right now. I can't. Me wait too. To, to I'm to really find out he's tense. won But at least, if you haven't won, it's not our fault don't don't be annoyed. So essentially what we're doing here is to absolve us of any responsibility <laughs> by putting you in the hands of random chance. Genuinely every message was just it was it really was it's just ridiculously uh, nice it's, to receive. So we have the best listeners. So thank you so much. Uh I don't know if you will hear it on the mic here but mixing it up, making it fair. All right, and the winner oh is Dawn Nelson. Hey Dawn, whose favorite story was The Robber Bridegroom and the Singing Bone. Once we get in touch and sort out the details, you have a lovely uh, grim reading book winging its way to you. That book will be winging its way over <laughs> to you before you know it. It's a magical book. <laughs> Thanks very much from both from me and Andy. <laughs> Charles Hargrove and Charles said I would once again like to recommend The Strange Feast for the sheer mind-blowing madness do you remember? I do remember and he said once again well Charles was our first ever emailer that we ever got oh he was indeed way back in 2018 <laughs> um, we were featured on Rex Factor podcast we featured they, they gave us a shout out which was amazing in the yeah. finale of the second series We've mentioned them before, Rex Factor. We are proud members of the Rexy Pod very, family. Very proud members. Who inspired us to do what we do. And mm-hmm. uh, after we got a shout out on their podcast, we received an email and we were both very excited. Yes, indeed. First one from Charles. And he said, I was led to your podcast by Rex Factor and I'm um, anxious to dive in. Well, he clearly has, along with his daughter. And we're thrilled to have you both as listeners. He, he dove in. He dove right in there. He dove he doved in. We do struggle with past participles in this show. It <laughs> <laughs> comes up an awful lot. He dove, he, deafened. Uh Charles continued to say, oh, I was just wondering when you were going to get to the hands-down, freakiest grim story, The Strange Feast. Mm-hmm. I try and tell people about this story, and they think that I'm making it up. Uh, that makes me very, very, very intrigued. Well, the then, you and Charles will be pleased to hear <laughs> that we are now going to read... Yes. The strange feast. Oh, I can't wait. Just keep in mind, hands down, freakiest grim story. Mm-hmm. Those, these are Charles's words. Are, yeah, big words, big words. People Charles. think I'm making it up. He also oh, says, Charles, you have piqued my interest. Uh, I just hope you're not going to let me down. Should we dive in? Let's do it. Let's dove. The strange feast. A blood sausage. <laughs> 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 That's already too much. It's to a great <laughs> start. <laughs> Those are the best three (laughs) words for opening anything in the English language. Of a better way to start a story than a blood sausage. (laughs) A blood sausage and a liver sausage had been friends for some time. And the blood sausage invited the liver sausage for a meal at her home. At dinner time, the liver sausage merrily set out for the blood sausage's house. But when she walked through the doorway, she saw all kinds of strange things. There were many steps, and on each of them she found something different. A broom and shovel were fighting with each other. And there was a monkey with a big wound on his head. And more such things. Uh, it's already possibly the greatest story I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> she just walks in on a scene unfolding. Yeah. Broom and a shovel, having a tussle. Monkey with a wound on his head. Just sat on different steps and more such things. And more such things. (laughs) Obviously, that you know that kind of thing, but just more. You know that sort of thing. Monkey of the wound, broom and shovel fighting. That sort of thing. You know the. You know the ones. The liver sausage was very frightened and upset by this. (laughs) I can imagine. Nevertheless, she took heart and entered the room and was welcomed in a friendly way by the blood sausage. The liver sausage began to inquire about the strange things on the stairs but the blood sausage pretended not to hear her or made it seem as if it was not worth talking about. Well, she said something about the shovel and the broom, such as, oh, that was probably my maid gossiping with someone on the stairs. What? Uh, and she shifted the topic to something else. I would be amazed if I could shift the topic away from a uh, broom and a shovel fighting in uh, it. Uh, Adam, I was just coming up to your flat and... Uh, yeah, don't worry about that. It's probably just some weird no, 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 trick no, of the light, no, trick no, no, of the light, there no, was, no. There was a monkey but with a wound the on the his meal head. That we're cooking. There was a monkey don't with over. a wound on his head, Adam. <laughs> you couldn't do it. How can you shift the topic from that? <laughs> Oh, he's my maid, probably. <laughs> She's very hairy. <laughs> um, then, uh, then the blood sausage said she had to leave the room to go into the kitchen and look after the meal, because they're having a meal together. Mm-hmm. Uh, she wanted to check to see that everything was in order and nothing had fallen into the ashes. The liver sausage began walking back and forth in the room and okay. kept wondering about the strange things. Mm-hmm. Until someone appeared, mm-hmm. I don't know who it was, and said, that's what, that's what it says in <laughs> the The storyteller doesn't even yeah. know who it was. And said, let me warn you, liver sausage, you're in a bloody murderous trap. You'd better get out of here if you value your life. <gasps> the liver sausage didn't have to think twice about this. She ran out of the door as fast as she could, nor did she stop until she got out of the house and was in the middle of the street. So she's like panting, like, yeah, got away then from the house. She looks around and saw the blood sausage standing high up in the attic window with a long, long knife <gasps> that was gleaming as though it had just been no sharpened. Way. The blood sausage threatened her with it and cried out, <gasps> If I had caught you, I would have had you. The end. What has just happened? <laughs> Charles, you were not wrong. That story is insane. I was worried about reading it because it's so mental that mm-hmm. nothing will ever seem too bizarre, too surreal, no. too freaky after that story, the it's, strange feast. What, something that's incredible is that with all the strange things unfolding, by the time you get sort of halfway through the story... You're totally accepting the fact that the main two characters are a blood sausage and a liver sausage. <laughs> that bit doesn't seem weird anymore because you found a monkey with a weed on its head. Sat on the stairs. So, I look. So, blood sausage. These are weird two. That's a weird main character. blood sausage. So, blood sausage is a bit sausage. like a black pudding, sort of thing. Yeah, a blood sausage is a, is a black pudding. It's one of those in the UK, yeah. Liver sausage, I wasn't so sure about Like so a so pate, I, I was sort of thing. Well, of I looked it up, and liver sausages are quite common in certain parts of Europe. Okay. And actually, in the UK. You can buy Sainsbury's Liver Sausage Slices, one pound for a pack of ten. Oh, not bad value. So Sue uh, got her fairy tale books from Sainsbury's. <laughs> she did indeed. For Rob and siblings. <laughs> uh, and apparently Sainsbury's also provide liver sausage slices. So for Sainsbury's, I think they've got a little, uh, little love of fairy mm. tales in there. And... If you're looking for one shop to uh, sort what you need, Sainsbury's <laughs> it is! Pop in for a lovely uh, fairy tale book and some sliced liver sausage. So, so, liver sausages are a thing, and you can even get some here. Yeah. So, um, they're good sense. friends, and yeah. yeah, been friends for a long time. So, how long has the blood sausage been plotting there? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. terrible. Oh, it's awful. Betrayal. Monkey with a wound on its head. Yeah, so what's that all about? Why is it there? And why did it have a wound on its head? Did it survive an attack by the blood sausage? <laughs> and what's it doing? Is it just sat there? Yeah. Is it just bleeding out? A broom and a shovel fighting. Fighting. That's never explained. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the, and the liver sausage it, like, oh, sorry, don't mind me. I'm yeah, just yeah, heading Yeah, I'm just going to get past you. Yeah. Monkey just looks at her as she goes past. <laughs> 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 oh, my God. Probably got a severe concussion. <laughs> it's clearly part of something nefarious, because the blood sausage doesn't want her to talk about it. It's all very odd. Mm. I mean... My hmm. first thought is it, there's nothing in there. There's no moral. There's no, it's not even really a story. No. It's just, it reminded me of a nightmare. So I felt like maybe one of the brothers just like woke up in the night screaming Ooh. like, ah! and Jacob was like, what, what happened Wilhelm? Like, oh, there's a sausage. And then a monkey, the wound. And they're like, this is gold. I'm writing and this write down. It down. Hence, they don't know who the person who came in was because you can't quite, uh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, oh, I don't know who that was. What else was that? If that wasn't just a nightmare, yeah, a fever dream. I mean, other than that, it makes no sense whatsoever. What Did you enjoy it, though? I loved it. I mean, you. I think you, you're on record as saying that's the best story ever told. <laughs> it's something <laughs> like that. Something along those lines. <laughs> I mean, I, eat your heart out, Harry Potter. <laughs> well, we uh, haven't really come across that story before, have we, no. Adam, in our, in our podcast, in our list? You perhaps may not have even noticed it, really. Mm. Well, that would be because it's, Buried right at the bottom of our list under the section of Erased Stories. Mm -hmm. So this story is not an official Brothers Grimm Mm -hmm. tale anymore. So they basically deleted it, scrubbed it from... uh... They expunged it from the record. Yeah. This is an area of the Grimm's fairy tales that we haven't really explored. So if you will indulge me, can I give you a very brief introduction to the world of deleted stories? Please do. I'd love to know. So, by my very rough calculations, I've had to kind of work it out myself. The Brothers Grimm raised around 38 stories in total, which is quite a hefty That's a lot. number. A lot of work to just put to one side. Most of these were expunged after the first edition. Mm-hmm. If you remember, there are seven editions of the I stories. I remember, yeah. And the biggest cull came after the first edition. Right. Uh, but why did they do this? Why did they delete some of their stories? It's hard to give a definitive answer, but... If we consider the original purpose of their fairy tale book, it might shed a little light on the issue. Mm -hmm. So, over seven revised editions of their books, as well as deleting stories and adding new ones, the Brothers Grimm also embellished their fairy tales. We've noticed before that the first version of the story is often more streamlined and straight to the point. You know, Mm -hmm. we often compare the first version. It's much more punchy and less detailed. Yeah. If you hark back to our first ever Extra Grimm episode, where we looked at translations, you'll remember that the original purpose of collecting these stories was based in romantic notions Mm -hmm. of capturing the voice of the German-speaking people. Yeah. At the time the Brothers Grimm were around and working, there was no such thing as Germany. There was just a loose collection of states known as the Holy Roman Empire. We'll go into that another time. (laughs) I'd really like to look into the context. But just keep that in mind now. There's no Germany. So the Brothers Grimm amassed a wealth of stories from this region and they edited them into their book of fairy tales, which was first published in 1812. And more than any other version of of the book, this first ever version in 1812 was in keeping with their original vision of capturing what they called the natural poetry or naturopoese. That's definitely how you pronounce it. Definitely. Of the people. Mm -hmm. They wanted to record the natural poetry before it became extinct. They believed it was dying out. Also, as protest against French occupation, because I haven't noted, I haven't mentioned that Napoleon had invaded. Oh, great! Good old Napoleon—he'd invaded—and so it was in protest against French occupation and to unite German-speaking people into one nation under the threat of this foreign invasion. I found a marvelous quote from Wilhelm Grimm, which illuminates how he saw German folktales. He referred to them as colored glass pieces. Scattered fragments of the once whole diamond of divinely inspired poetry. That is a turn of phrase. That is beautiful. So he says there was this once complete diamond and it's shattered, but folktales are a little coloured piece of the glass of the once whole diamond. Now, got a small bone to pick with him there. If you shatter a diamond, you don't get glass. You get smaller pieces of diamond. It's You've got to be precise with these things. You like don't get glass from diamond. When I was researching this... That stopped me in my tracks, that quote. I thought that was magical. Adam's not so impressed. <laughs> no, it was beautiful. I mean, uh, let me point something to out to you there, <laughs> Wilhelm. It's beautiful. Just, just got to get the just details little, right. You just got go to get it right or yeah. the whole thing unravels. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> However, despite uh, his uh, beautiful and incorrect quote, uh, out of the two brothers, it was Wilhelm who couldn't resist making the stories more artistic and Christian-friendly they began to clean up and even remove some of the unsavoury stories as their fairy tales began to appeal to a wider middle-class audience and to children. For example, Hansel and Gretel, if you remember. Originally, it was the mother and the father who abandoned the kids. Yeah. But the one we read, the final version, the mother has been turned to a stepmother mm-hmm. because their motherhood is sacred and they don't want to sort of right, show yeah. mothers in a bad light to their children. But stepmothers, they're fair game. That's fine. Uh, so basically, it went from being a mass academic, ideological exercise mm-hmm. to being a best-selling kids' book. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's just how fame corrupts. <laughs> <laughs> and so stories like The Strange Feast had to go. However, it was only very, very recently that the English-speaking world discovered the delights of this first version. Mm-hmm. Jack Sipes is an American professor and an authority on the Grimm's, and he took it into his own hands to translate this first edition of The Brothers Grimm Fairy Tales. On the changes that the brothers made, he's quoted as saying, Although they did not abandon their basic notions about the pure origins and significance of folk tales, there are significant indications that they had been influenced by their critics to make the tales more accessible to a general public and more considerate of children. So basically, they've Mm. been, they've been criticized for being too dark, too violent, too weird. So it wasn't until the 21st century that this first version was available in English essentially a lot of those erased stories mm-hmm. you couldn't get them in English right, until yeah, 2014. Yeah, of wow, that's amazing. Even though The Brothers Grimm Fairy Tales is up there with like the Bible and the Quran as the most sold book in the world. Oh yeah, it's got to be. So this is a major reason why some of the stories were deleted. Some were chucked because they were too gruesome mm-hmm. including how some children played at slaughtering and the starving children <laughs> no prizes for guessing what happens in that one. <laughs> some were deleted because they weren't considered German enough especially if they were French so Puss in Boots was in the original one Bluebeard which is like the Robert Bridegroom there's one called Okolo which I read it's about some cannibals nuts they were all considered too French. Also, I found, I don't know if I trust this source, but someone said there's a story called The Faithful Animals, which was considered too Mongolian <laughs> from Mongolian folklore. Do you know what winds me up, man? When a story is oh, just yeah. a little bit too Mongolian. Oh, don't get me started. Ah, oh, I'm sick of it. <laughs> uh, or some were merged with others as they started to get new accounts from different parts of Germany. So, for example, the story Good Bowling and Card Playing got embellished and changed and became the story of the youth who went forth to learn what fear is. But for most of them, we'll never know why the Brothers Grimm decided to erase them and, by their own logic, remove a coloured fragment of German folk history. (laughs) Finally. Finally. At the end of last week's episode, we stuck... The Brothers Grimm movie in the Castle DVD player. We did indeed. And we gave it a little watch, didn't we? We did, <laughs> The Brothers indeed. Grimm movie. I, with foresight, jotted down some notes. Adam didn't. So I'd like Adam to kick things off. I want to see what, from the top of your head, tell me about The Brothers well, Grimm movie. Well, okay, from memory, Will and Jake. <laughs> <laughs> Damon and Ledger. Damon and Ledger. Will and Jake, brothers. Uh, Will was sort of... Uh, thinks himself a bit of a Lothario hmm. very confident man Jake I can't quite get a handle on him he's just weird <laughs> he's just weird and he just constantly made weird sounds like yeah <laughs> 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 like a little puppy yes. it was bizarre it was non-stop they Germany's occupied by a stupid French general bloke yeah Jonathan um, Price he has got an Italian bloke working for him who tortures people. That's not really explained why, he just does. Yeah, he likes it. He loves it. For some reason, he's there, and they go to a town, to uh, kids will keep going missing. Are you going to try and remember the plot? I don't think the writers knew the plot. No, I don't think anyone knew the plot, from beginning to, right through uh, post-production to selling the DVD. I don't think <laughs> anyone at any point in like that chain knew what the, on earth was going on. I th- So I think what Adam's getting at here is, it's kind of like a fun Hollywood movie, but it, has the most surreal, bizarre moments. So, uh, would you like to hear my notes? This might jog your memory for a few things. Yeah. I seem to remember trees kept running away. That was weird. There were a lot of geese that kept running everywhere. There were everywhere. a lot of geese. And we watched the sort of uh, making of, and they kept talking about the geese. I think <laughs> Terry Gilliam, the director, loved them. Yeah, I've yeah. written here, Brothers Graham. I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> Brothers Graham. Someone at one point says Brothers Graham, I'm the sure. Brothers but... Graham. Uh, I've written accents. Yeah. I mean, the accents wow. were, were... Hello, governor. It's interesting, isn't it, when a, an American plays uh, someone on continental Europe, maybe a German, maybe yeah. a French person, they put on an English accent. It's like, if any American show is set in ancient Rome, they all sound like Englishmen. <laughs> yes. Like, as what? famously they did in ancient Rome. It's a good rule. It's like a bridge between America and the rest of Europe. Yeah. Pick somewhere in between. Ah, oh, England. that would do. <laughs> uh, I've written here, trust the toad. I think Matt Damon says trust the toad, yeah. and Heath Ledger gives him the best look you've ever seen in your life. He sort of he leans entirely to one side and yeah. gives him the most withering look. Like what are you talking about? It was definite in mean that, territory. That, you, there should be a gif of that everywhere on the internet. <laughs> it was amazing. So there's this weird scene where a horse swallows a child. A horse sort of spits like spiderwebs on a child. on a child. And then drags it, enter- it in. Then the horse runs into the forest with his, a ginormous bulging belly. Because yep. it's eating a child. It was literally insane. It was certifiably yeah. insane. Yeah. That this movie was just completely nuts. I didn't have a clue what was going on at any point. Yeah. Most important part here, Adam, I think you're going to talk about the bit at the end, don't you? No, no. First of all, oh. get ready. This is oh. going to... I can't believe you haven't remembered this. I've written here... Slipper the goldfish. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that. Matt, De- there's a there's a, a fearless woman from the village who Le- Lena is, Hady. He's having none of the Grimm's nonsense, and I think Matt Damon's character will quite yeah. likes her. And he is yeah, yeah. sharing uh, with his brother that he plans later to slipper the goldfish. It was irrelevant. He just said something like, "Not sure I trust her, but I'd slip her the goldfish." Yeah. And we were like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa." Yeah, we rewound that. Did he just say that? Yeah, he did. Did he say slip her the goldfish? He did. me and Adam are Brits, and (laughs) I don't know if they thought that was a British term or an expression. It's not. It's not. And to be honest, the only thing we thought that could possibly mean is very filthy and rude. Mm -hmm. I'd slip her the goldfish. And in fact, if you look at it online, (laughs) the only reference you can find to that (laughs) phrase is quoting the film. (laughs) So, some what does it mean? Right, wrote that for that film. Now, the main part of bulk of my notes on the film here is what you were thinking of—the the amazing scene at the end. This is what I jotted down. So, this what is the climactic scene, the pinnacle of the film. So, basically, I just want to set the scene for you. There's a huge tower, like a Rapunzel-type tower. They're trying to get in the top. Jake is sitting in a little catapult. Meanwhile, Obviously. Will is slight on a ledge by the so tower. Part way up the tower. Fighting the French general. So that's the setup. Yeah. So this is, this is how the scene unfolds. You know, the French general's got him pinned down on the he floor. Got it, yeah. Will uh, gets a flaming crucifix. No, no, uh, he picks up the crucifix. Mm. Then, it then it bursts into flame. Excuse me. Then it bursts into flame. He punches the French general in the face. <laughs> With, a flaming crucifix. With a flaming crucifix. Then he stabs him. Uh, so he's going to die. You know, spins around. He's yeah. holding the French general over the ledge now. Who then says, uh, <laughs> all I wanted was a little order. A slice of guiche would be nice. Yeah. So he makes a little French joke there. Oh, that's just a, says, re- a great French I'm joke. I'm only invading Germany just to bring some order. Then he falls off the ledge, knocking over a big rock, which triggers <laughs> the catapult which Jake is sitting in, firing Jake up <laughs> into, <laughs> into the, the tower. tower. That scene uh, stayed with me. It was quite <laughs> remarkable, wasn't it? <laughs> I've got a biography of the Brothers Grimm, and I, don't, I haven't spotted that past their life. No, there, no I, don't, I don't think... Is that autobiographical? That may have happened. We can't be sure that that didn't happen. Yeah, that's true. Wow. Um, So did you enjoy it? The Brothers Grimm movie. It was interesting to start with. I think by the end, it felt like I'd been repeatedly bashed around the head. Nothing made sense anymore. I was just going with it at that point. Like, sure, yeah, yeah, of course that would happen, yeah. Follow the toad. Trees running around. CGI horse belly. Just yeah. just go with it. It was jam-packed with famous it actors. Really and a really famous director. It's just a really weird little film that seems to <laughs> slip through the cracks of time. Like, I'd never heard of it. And I'm very glad we watched it. Uh, me too. Absolute peach. You mentioned the writer there. What was the writer thinking? Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually looked up who the writer is of the Brothers Grimm movie. Uh, he's a chap called Erin Kruger. And uh, okay. some of his other work includes several he's written several uh films from the transformers film franchise Oh wow yeah so he's, he's a big player mm. I, I couldn't get this goldfish thing out of my head i was just like slip of the goldfish slip of the goldfish so i've actually got a piece of parchment here that uh i found erin's agent office in uh, hollywood no. and i got their address and uh i've got a little uh, letter here that i've been scrolling um when we've done this we're going to go up to your highest uh, turret and Send it on by pigeon over Absolutely. to Erin. Yeah, So I just So wa- I just want to run my letter past you before we do that, though. Please do. So I've written, um, Dear Erin, congratulations on a successful career in the movie business. Yep. I'm contacting you from a Brothers Grimm podcast. For Christmas, my podcast co-host gifted me a DVD of your movie, The Brothers Grimm, and we thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> However, I was struck by a throwaway line delivered by Matt Damon's will during the second act. Referring to the heroine, he says... I'd slip her the goldfish. Now, I'm British, and I'm not familiar with this expression and can find no evidence of its existence outside of your creation. (laughs) I'm genuinely intrigued as to the inception of this line. Perhaps you overheard it on a trip to merry old England one time. If you have the time, please do let me know. Sincerely, Matthew. I think that letter's perfect. You happy for me to send that? Let's pop that in the post. Pop that in the pigeon. Let's pop that in the pigeon. That's great. Hopefully we'll get a response. I can't wait. What we got? Uh, what's coming up next week? We're going to aim to have it out next week because <laughs> uh, this was just a little extra episode. We, yeah. we want to get back on track. We do. And firing through those uh, stories. We do. Yeah. Episodes. So hopefully next week. Hopefully next week. What will be? Coming we out? will be reading the Wishing Table, the Gold Ass, and the Cudgel in the Sack. You love saying that. I love <laughs> saying that. I'm going to take every opportunity to say that. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I can't wait to hear that. I've uh, I've enjoyed this episode. It's been great. Thank you again so much for all your wonderful messages. Thanks again to Pook Press. I'd highly uh, recommend signing up to their newsletter. We've been signed up for a long time oh, now. Oh, it's great, isn't it? I don't know if it's fortnightly. They send a, a newsletter uh, which always features a fairy tale or a folk story. Yeah. That's just for free. I love a little one. Drops into your inbox. Thank you again. Thanks, everyone. Cheers. Thanks. Bye. Bye. So there you have it. Thank you to everyone who entered the competition and congratulations to Dawn. We'll see you next time in The Wishing Cloth, The Gold Ass, and The Cuddle in the Sack. The Strange Feast was taken from the original folk and fairy tales of the Brothers Grimm by Jack Sipes. Read with permission from Princeton University Press.